Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the seventh episode of the second season of Yellow Jackets, an episode called Burial. And Sona's here with me. Hello. Hello. The usual housekeeping, uh, we continue to cover Yellow Jackets, of course, for two more episodes. I will have somewhere, I don't know where, have an episode where I'll be catching up on the first three episodes of the show Silo on Apple TV+. Plus. A very popular show, by the way, has uh, Apple seems to have another hit on their hands here. And we'll be covering that through the end of that show, which through June. We have a bunch of shows that'll be wrapping up soon that I'll also be giving you my feedback on. Mrs. Davis ends next week. A really, really bizarre show. <laughs> I always feel like, Sona, maybe I'll bring you in on the episode and I'll simply tell you what happens over the course <laughs> of that show. Because you're going to, it's, it's, you talk about how this uh, plotting of like this yes ending uh, in, improv, that is basically this show. Like every five minutes, they're like, yes, and <laughs> yes, and, and it's just there like, holy cow. There is something else in there. <laughs> <laughs> Can we explore any one of these thoughts before we bring in something else? <laughs> Which is all intentional, by the way, but I mean, I have to assume, and I've heard from people who have previewed the finale, which comes next week, that this does all tie together at the end. But man, I think this might be too late for me. But uh, it's <laughs> in, it's utterly bonkers. Not one of Lindelof's wins for me. I loved uh, his adaptation of Watchmen, though, which was really terrific here on HBO. If you ever haven't caught up on that, definitely check that out. Subscribe so you know when all that becomes available. We're also covering, we'll also be covering the end of Ted Lasso, the finale of final season. Another show that had a good episode this week, by the way, but this season has not been working for me so far. And a show that has been working for me, though, although I think most people have dropped off of it, uh, and I know, Sony, you're still watching this one, is The Big Door Prize, which we'll be wrapping up yep. next week. And maybe we'll have some conversation. Once again, where will these episodes, where will I put these episodes in this feed? I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. But at some point, either before these shows wrap up or after, we'll be having conversations about all of those. So you know when those episodes drop, please do subscribe. Oh, of course, and we're wrapping up Barry. I just put a recap episode of that one. Barry's just absolutely jaw-dropping, an astonishing final season of Barry so far. A shocking direction the story's gone in, in this week. Really fascinating, so do check that out. And a couple of things, Sona, I wanted to circle back to with you. First of all, just noticed on my Paramount Plus app, which is how I watch my Showtime shows with a Showtime add-in, Bodies, 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 which I had recommended for you, is now available on Showtime. So do check that out. Oh, I definitely want to see that. I found it very entertaining. Okay, let's get into this episode, an episode called Burial. A couple of um, points here. I think we discussed earlier in our recaps that was this snow real? Was This snow is not real <laughs> at all. Um, you mean as far as like scenery, it's actually not real snow, right? Yes. I have a feeling yep. that this was shot on a set now at this point. Mm -hmm, we see mm -hmm. this completely artificial snow. And I think the breath is just a, an effect. As a matter of fact, some people on this very episode have like no breathing effect at all. And some have, uh, it's like as if they didn't get to finish the CGI of <laughs> some of the characters. It was a little more pronouncedly silly in this particular episode, maybe because there was this volume of snow that they couldn't quite pull off. It was a lot of snow. Definitely not shot on location, long story short. <laughs> it did look very pretty at times, though. It did. I think we open on this, uh, or we, we do open on this beautiful drone shot of the forest itself covered in snow, which is obviously location, but beautifully done. While uh, Kurt Cobain is singing Nirvana's Something in the Way, appropriately morose <laughs> song to be playing at this moment. Mm -hmm. It's okay to eat fish, by the way, because they don't have any feelings, <laughs> famously. That turned us. out to not be true, if I remember correctly. <laughs> 
yes, I mean, Kurt Cobain was, you know, not where I get my, <laughs> my <laughs> zoology information from, but. <laughs> One of my biggest pet peeves, and I have several, is people who call themselves vegetarians, but eat fish. Yeah, pescatarians, right? Yeah. And that, I think now we've developed this word, pescatarian, people use it more. But back when we were younger, there were a whole lot of vegetarians who thought it was fine to eat fish. Right. And as someone who personally is not a vegetarian, but comes from a religion that is vegetarian and a culture that is very vegetarian, it was very offensive to me that for some reason people thought they were allowed to call themselves vegetarians when they eat things where there were definitely animals and now are on their plate. So (laughs) I think the whole fish have feelings thing kind of invalidated a lot of vegetarians justifying that it was okay to have a nice piece of salmon and still call yourself a vegetarian. Probably not the intention, uh, your intention, Sona, in bringing this up at this moment. But I mean, I think this is a theme of the show. So maybe this show is more clever <laughs> in using this this Kurt Cobain song than uh, it intended. Because isn't that what they're all rationalizing, what they put on their plates at this point? It's just going to get <laughs> extremely severe choice making eventually. Can you call yourself a vegetarian if you've eaten another human being? I'm not exactly. sure. <laughs> it all depends on how desperate you are. Maybe they weren't killed for the purposes of bringing you food yet, but, um, you know, (laughs) so you could rationalize that. Especially when you see the scenes from next week. Yeah. (laughs) So Ty is trying to mentally nurse Shauna and maybe physically as well back to health. She's cradling her stillborn child. This is very disturbing. She won't even drink any water. This is Shauna, of course. But the snow has broken. Finally, the storm breaks. And everyone heads outside. They're so relieved. They're digging out the cabin. You know, obviously, speak talk about cabin fever. These people have severe, severe cabin fever here. My God, this was a lot of snow. I'm assuming this is days later. So this storm has probably been raging for multiple days. Shauna goes out and buries the baby. I guess this is the burial in the title. And she says, it's just you and me against the whole world. Why do you think she says that at this moment? Obviously, a flashback to the prior episode where she's telling the baby that in her dream sequence. It didn't quite make sense to me unless maybe she was remembering that out loud or she's just thinking the baby was so much a part of who she is that she will carry that baby with her in her heart. And so it's it's the memory of the baby in her against the world. This thing obviously is going to be the most scarring thing that ever happened to her. You can imagine it's just her saying that that was the fantasy she had. And then she's kind of letting go of that fantasy. Yeah, this, by the way, was another episode I thought should have had a trigger warning. I think it could have been really, really upsetting for some people. Oh, absolutely. Okay, then I actually watched the title sequence this week, and now it makes me think I might have to go back and watch the other title sequences as well. (laughs) I know what you're saying, because sometimes I skip it, and this week I didn't, and it was definitely different than I recalled. Yeah, first of all, the music was different, which is why I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe they're cluing us into something, so let me watch the scenes. And then a lot of the snippets we see there are similar to ones that I've seen before, but there's definitely some things there that I had not seen before. One is there seems to be a Polaroid of a family, not sure whose family it is, and it gets splattered with blood. And then two other things we see here is we see somebody in silhouette who is smoking a cigar, which pays off in this very episode. And then we also see very Twin Peaks, uh, definitely an homage to Twin Peaks, Misty with this very strong red colored curtain behind her, which is like the red room in the Twin Peaks series. And um, 
And once again, well, we I see never that watched that. So that went over <laughs> you, my head. You missed that one. But both of those scenes pay off in this very episode, although mm-hmm, not the Polaroid mm-hmm. shot. So then I'm like, are they putting things into each episode that are teases for the future and stuff that happened in the episode, which very well may be the case. And I have not been watching that. So I've been missing the clues, but same. It may be. And wow, that is so much work if they are doing that. Yes, I know. Exactly. Okay. In the past, Ty and Van are talking. Ty says, I really thought that the baby was going to make it. And then Van says exactly what we were discussing last week, uh, Sona, mm-hmm. what you brought up actually, mm-hmm. that this would have been a nightmare if the baby had survived. They're not eating. It would have starved to death and it's probably all for the best. Vance says something really interesting here. She says that she's basically trying to figure out why she survived. She's been through so much. She had that bear attack, obviously, right? They burned her. First of all, she afterwards. was on fire on the plane. Yes. She was on fire. Oh, right. So that's the Correct. first thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then there was the bear attack. And people do seem to heal up very quickly out here, right? That's another weird thing that has been brought up mm-hmm. multiple times that people have mentioned. So there's something going on out here that might w- once again be supernatural. Although there's nothing explicitly been defined here as supernatural yet. And there's a lot of weird coincidences stacking up, obviously. But she wants to know why did she survive? What was the purpose of all this? Which is interesting. It's not only an existential question, like when you survive and other people do not. Yeah. It could be more to that as well, thematically in the show. It is also sweet that Thaisa says to her that she needs her also. But Van wants more. Van wants more than that. She says, yeah, I need you too. They've helped each other out. They've discovered their sexuality through this relationship they've had with each other. But at the same time, Van's saying like, yes, I need you. I want those things. But she wants something more. She feels there's something more going on here. and She wants to understand what that is. It really struck me this episode, even though this is a theme, obviously, throughout just what they have gone through most recently, why these women would really be bonded together in a way that is far beyond what most of us could ever imagine for the rest of their lives. Just, you know, the things that they've seen, the things that they've gone through, being there for a stillbirth, the cannibalism. (laughs) Right. In that way, you would be permanently connected no matter where life takes you. Talk about trauma bonding, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we can get to this when we get to the future, but I'll just bring it now while it's still on my mind. You have to assume these are pretty much the only women that survived this thing, right? Because, for example, in the present tense, why aren't there more people at this pseudo reunion, right? Right. All right. Back in the past, again, Ben has completely merged his fantasy world with the reality world. We had seen just last week where he was in this kind of nice, brightly lit cabin situation. Now he's got Paul, Phantom Paul, right there with him. Paul answers a phone. <laughs> Interesting, a lot of people answering landlines in this episode, by the way. So many landlines in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Even in the current day. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. It's like yeah. everybody's only on landlines in this episode, even fantasy people. It was very interesting to me. And I think they were trying to say something, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> Paul answers that phone, says he isn't ready. And then he prepares to leave and he tells Ben that this wasn't supposed to be a hiding place. That's not the purpose of this. And he says that we all love you. We all love you. Who? Who is we? And then he exits the cabin. Ben, completely demented at this point, Mm -hmm. exits the cabin, yelling out to Paul. The girls look at him like, what is going on? And very importantly, his head is framed in this shot with the antler horns behind him. So this is like multiple times, different characters have worn these antlers. You've had Lottie with the antlers behind her, obviously, when she's kind of channeling the wilderness. The question, of course, who 
wears those horns in that flashback we saw at the very beginning of the series, I assume, or maybe the idea that this spirit is inhabiting different people at different times. Still not sure what that all means. I hadn't even picked up on the antlers in this scene. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a a motif multiple times throughout and and different people wear those. Like we see Lottie many times framed with the antlers behind her, but we've seen Shauna when she was one time yelling in the cabin and the horns were behind her. And now we see Ben. We see as people were still out, they've been shoveling out the snow and cleaning up the camp or digging out the camp. Misty overhears some of the girls saying that the baby would have lived if it had gone to the hospital. And they're like, what are you talking about? What hospital would they have gone to, obviously? (laughs) We did the best we could. And Misty was great. And she's very proud of this, overhearing this conversation. When then it turns ugly and goes, well, of course she is. She like loves blood, probably killed Crystal. Why isn't she out here looking for her right now? So when they regroup in the cabin, Misty puts on the waterworks and puts on a performance here. And she says, we're very sad about the baby, obviously, but we need to go look for Crystal. She might still be out there. And Ben agrees. He says, look, Javi survived for two months. That's how long they were out there, by the way. If we had any question as to how long it was from doom coming to now, that would have been two months. So we're looking at from November. So this is still just January. <laughs> Man, these girls have a long way to go in um and if uh, Javi could survive for months, then yeah, Crystal could survive for days. Although, I mean, there was that giant blizzard, which I'm not sure Javi had to deal with that kind of weather situation. But yes. We haven't explored these potential underground locations right. yet. Yes. But there's, you know, he had to have had some kind of cover during that time. But she could have found something too, right? A cave opening. Like if this is like a mining, an, an abandoned mining location, she could have found a cave to, to go into, right? So it's possible. But we all know she's dead. <laughs> It's interesting to see the girls trying to rationalize all this, saying that the baby dying and Crystal dying was what broke the storm up, which makes no sense at all, by the way, even if they believe in the wilderness, because Shauna was already in labor when the storm hit and Crystal was already dead. Of course, they don't know that Crystal was dead at the time, but still, it's Mm -hmm. just a funny, you know, they're trying to reverse engineer (laughs) an explanation (laughs) as to how this is all for the best. And Lottie comes with the best example of the wilderness gave them exactly what they wanted, Shauna survived, right? So mm-hmm. that's all. That's that's proof. That's more proof. The girls head out to look for Chris uh, for Crystal. Kristin, is that her name? Her real name? Kristin, yes. They say, I hope they find her alive. But you know, if she's not alive, it would kind of be a waste. <laughs> I don't want her to be dead, you know, if. <laughs> we could have a snacky snack. <laughs> yeah, I'd love time to chow down. Misty overhears this and decides to head out. I'm not sure why she didn't head out right away to be honest. And her plan is to get to the body first so that she can keep her from being eaten. Another interesting thing happens here at the cabin at this moment. Also, Shauna is, or someone is, maybe Thaisa is cleaning up the the bed where she gave birth. And under the top blanket is the bloodied baby blanket that was made with those symbols on it. And she burns it in the fireplace. Oh, and she has a vision of them all eating the baby at this moment as well. Right. The same one as last time. Yeah. Just more. While they're searching for Crystal, Lottie and Ty hang back. Actually, Lottie asks Ty to hang back. She tells her that your other self, that other Ty persona, was able to find Javi. Maybe she can find Crystal as well. And Ty goes, you know what? I think she's gone ever since I've been praying or in the morning with the the rest of the girls in in the circle. I haven't felt her presence anymore. And she says, she's not gone. And that's a good thing. Missy has broken away from the other girls, freaking out, saying, I can't bear to see Crystal's body. But of course, we know that she's just trying to get there first. She gets there and she can't find the body. Like, what, what is 
happening. I know it's terrible that Crystal died and it was her friend and she probably feels responsible, yada, yada, yada. But if someone's going to have to die to feed them, you already have a dead friend. I'm sorry. I hate to be so grimly practical, but. <laughs> Track down that body. <laughs> I actually expected that, that, you know, in this episode, she would cover up Crystal's body. I was not expecting Crystal's body to be missing. We could talk about where you think it might have gone. Do you think that maybe it's there and she just didn't dig deep enough or an animal dragged it away? She couldn't have got up and walked. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, I think they pretty clearly established she's dead. <laughs> yes. And I think in that blizzard, it's unlikely that an animal right. would drag it away because an animal would probably be looking to take shelter as well to the extent there are any there. That's their whole problem with hunting, right? Exactly. So that leaves the wilderness took her or mm. whoever Javi was with. A person, found right. her it and took be, her. No, I mean, I, I have to assume it's either a predator or a person. Like what else could it possibly have been? Mm. Um my guess is that it's one of these people, that there are other people there that they're still not aware of. I'm pretty certain there's a supernatural presence here, but I can't imagine it's picking up Crystal and carrying her away. <laughs> That's a what a bridge too far. I don't know anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we were trying to figure out what is the approach to this location and how does Misty get up and down? And we're like, well, maybe she walked around or something. She seems to climb up the mountain again. I'm like, this is a very dangerous climb, especially covered in snow. I mean, I'm sorry, but I would not risk that climb. I'm sorry. And without the proper gear also. Once she gets to the top of that cliff, who's there? It's Ben. Ben has decided to end it all. He's about to jump. He actually asks her if she was willing to push. And she's like shocked by this. But of course, she threatened to push Crystal off of there. So it really seems very intentional that this is almost like he is maybe channeling something from the wilderness. I like how she says, don't you dare jump. I'll eat your butt. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. And then she goes, I'm going to tell everybody that we had a romance when we get rescued. I'm going to tell everybody that you impregnated Shauna and you tried to impregnate everybody else. He still doesn't care. Then she says, I'm going to tell everybody that you were gay. He says, go ahead. I mean, I appreciate she is just trying to throw everything, everything. out there to right. see what sticks. And I think she's doing a good job of at least yeah. stalling him. I give her credit here. She does not understand the internal struggle he's been having about being gay and not being public about it, where he probably would be like, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, at this point, he's come around to it, right? Yes. Finally, at least after death, I don't have to be living a lie. <laughs> right. Like, this is actually a pitch for why he should exactly. do it. But, but I know she doesn't get that. <laughs> exactly. She does finally win him over by saying she feels like she can't have another death on her hands. She's probably talking about Crystal there, but she's able to cover it up to... to Truths and a Lie, right? It was the name of the episode from a couple of weeks ago or a few episodes mm. back. And she says it's the baby, right? That she feels like she failed the baby. And that's enough to stop him. Once again, he still has the sympathy, still wants to be a good coach to these girls. Although he's probably better off <laughs> jumping off that cliff. Shauna still needs to talk to somebody. She cannot deal with what's happened with the baby. She mis is mistrustful. She had that horrible vision. She doesn't feel like she can trust anybody. And she goes, of all things, to go look for, to commune with, Jackie's corpse once again. Mm. But of course, even in her own mind, she can't conjure her again. It's very sad. They're very good performance once again by for, by this actress. And uh, what she said, she's I really doing an now. amazing job. And I mean, yeah. not that I could even begin to put myself in her position, but I would imagine in the modern day, you would at least have the distraction of like sitting in front of the TV and watching some right. stupid reality show 
or people would come visit you that could take your mind off this for maybe a few seconds at least. But here, like there's nothing but her and what she has endured. And that must be such a crushing situation and like not even a moment of diversion. And even if the weather was better, you could imagine they would need to, like when they were taking the bear apart, that there's plenty of work to do on the, the grounds, right? But she's been stuck in this cabin. Everybody's so traumatized, they won't even speak about it. They're literally just sitting there staring at the walls when the episode begins. And she doesn't trust them anyway. I mean, it doesn't matter whether she trusts her vision or not. She probably sees them all as potential scavengers. How can she turn to them at this moment? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll come back to those girls in the past. But before we get there, let's talk about the ladies in the present. Always the more fun part of the show for me, obviously. Me too. And, you know, I'm wondering if maybe it is like a generational thing where, you know, we relate to them more because every now and then when I run across something on Twitter or Reddit or whatever, people seem to find the current day storyline more boring and want more of the high school girls. And I mean, certainly the high school girls have, you know, a very big thing that they're dealing with. But I really like this current day storyline. I don't know if you can always go by that kind of internet chatter. People watch this show, but any show, honestly, even like when you hear the succession chatter online, everybody wants the puzzle box. They all want to say like, oh, I saw this in the succession poster or when this guy was standing in the doorway, it means this, like everybody's looking for to solve these puzzles and stuff. So of course, all of that stuff is in primarily anyway, not exclusively in this show anymore, but primarily all that stuff is in the past. They want to know what does the symbol mean? What kind of spirit is it? Is it a Wendango, right? It's like all these type of questions that they're asking about. So there's that type of audience. But I mean, for me, the show, the purpose of the show is to catch up with the women in the present tense, right? The, the purpose of this show, you could have a show that is exclusively about these girls surviving. Sure, the sure. But I'm saying the purpose of this show <laughs> is how these women have not gotten over this, you know, 25 years later. For me, this is the most interesting part of the show. And I'm sure you agree with that because I know <laughs> you sure. like the present day stuff and there's less cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> now with less cannibalism. So Thaisa, Shauna, and Van are doing the intake at the compound. Thaisa, this is addressed to Misty and Natalie. Did you guys join a cult? <laughs> Uh, um, it's an intentional community once again. <laughs> I love that. We're rebranding cults as intentional communities. <laughs> <laughs> it could start something here. By the way, everyone's been talking about succession. These are seven consecutive days in seven episodes. Absolutely not true on succession. Maybe they're 24-hour periods, but not over the course of seven days. But guess what? Turns out that the seven episodes of this show has been a week because uh, Natalie this tried to shoot herself. <laughs> And, you know, it absolutely makes sense when I thought it right. through. But wow, I feel like that was so long ago that <laughs> we saw is, her exactly. trying to commit suicide. End of last season, right? That's the-, the, the, the Yeah, the with the gun in her season. mouth. Like, it feels like an eternity, but I understand logistically, it does add up. It's only been a week. That's <laughs> basically one night each time, right? The first right. episode, yeah. Natalie runs into Lottie finally at the end of that first day. And now here we have another night, right? The girls, well, you know, we'll get around to it, but the girls are like drinking and reminiscing. <laughs> what reminiscing? The end of another day. So yeah, here we are seven days into the show with two to go, by the way, two more. So what did you think of Natalie in this scene? Because I was so sure yeah. that she mm -hmm. was putting on an act. It almost seemed to be like a bad act. Yep. But then by the end of the episode, I thought, oh my gosh, I think it was sincere her being won over by the ways of this intentional community. 
Yeah, I felt the exact same thing. At the beginning, I'm thinking, is she just doing this to get on to Lottie's good side? And then when she's alone with the girls, she's going to be like, okay, here's the plan, right? Or I was here's what so I found sure. Out. And then, no, you're right. Like by the end, I mean, she, I think she's buying into this. And once again, it's a good reminder that she was about to kill herself. Mm. And whatever this is, if she's if it's working for her, even if it's temporary, it is more than she had before. And we've seen this happening, the progression of this, right? When she was with... Lisa at her mom's house, she defended the cult in a way, just not necessarily defended the cult, but de defended Lisa's choice. If it works for her, leave her alone. And maybe she's just taking her own advice. Maybe. I just felt like they had established Natalie as so cynical yeah, that it seems impossible, even though, yes, she was in a very low place. It just seemed impossible to me that a mere week later, she has completely come around to the effectiveness of what Lottie is doing. Maybe she always wanted to believe though. Like I think we kind of teased that out earlier where you see that she is skulking around, trying to get the keys, trying to get into the cabin. But then she seems to, there's these shots where we see her like looking at what is working for the other folks. So maybe she's always wanted something to work, right? Maybe she has been looking for something this whole entire time. And all of that cynicism is just kind of armor to uh, protect herself uh, or to think that it can't get better, hasn't been able to beat this previously. But I agree that it seems like a quick reversal, but I can see the appeal of it to her, although I'm not sure they sold it completely. I also feel like Juliette Lewis is a better actress than she was here because it was believable to me that Natalie was putting on an act. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't seem sincere. And there might be more to this. I wouldn't be surprised throughout this current season of the show. She seems to have kind of vacillated back and forth. She could just be doing a performance at this moment to keep the girls around, right? She doesn't want anybody. She doesn't mm -hmm. want Van to storm off or whatever. So she's doing what she can to keep them there. She is buying into it, but maybe she is overselling it here to keep the girls engaged, basically. Maybe. That could be a very generous read. <laughs> <laughs> Whether this is sincere or not, she does say something that's kind of true here. We brought some really dark shit back with us to this place. Yeah. And maybe it's time for us to start dealing with it. Once again... This may be an act or partially, but everything she says is true. <laughs> Turns out that everybody who shows up at the compound gets to pick a treatment to participate in. And I would very curious to see how these treatments map to the way they're described. Yeah, it seemed really interesting. <laughs> so Thaisa ends up with renewal. We'll talk about what that means in the context of here. Shauna gets self-care. And Van and Misty both say forage at the same time. Does this undermining Misty once again, because Lottie basically tells Van she gets forage and she tells Misty that she gets guidance, which I guess she didn't want, but it pays off because I think she has maybe the most profound experience here uh, from everybody. But it made no sense to me because the idea was like, pick what speaks to you because your right. body is telling you what you need. And then like, it was not made clear as one per person, right? So right. claim yours before somebody else does. So the whole, you know, the universe speaking to you and what you need is very much undermined by like, well, these three are taken, so you get this one. <laughs> right. You just have to pick what's left. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. They all have to turn over their cell phones. And I love the way she describes that you have to surrender your cell phones because our devices keep us captive to other people's priorities. And uh, they're all like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And you know what? To me, that makes sense too. It's such an interesting way that we're addicted to our phones. But mm -hmm. I did think about this at the moment. 
that like, yeah, you're right. It's like you're responding to an email, mm-hmm. you're responding to a text message, you're responding to like some alert on your phone, even a, like a news notification. It's someone else trying to distract you from whatever you were doing to get your mm-hmm. attention for five minutes. It's true. Everybody, even like Facebook is trying to simply prioritize whatever they want you to look at at that moment. Put the phone away, everybody. <laughs> it's absolutely true, which is why also, and this is a tangent, when I see, you know, the advice for being productive at work or whatever, and it's like, only check your email periodically. feels right. like, well, that's not really an option because somebody is demanding my attention and they are waiting for a response. And so I can't unilaterally make the decision that they're just going to wait until I get around to checking my email after I write this section of what I'm writing. Listen, a Facebook alert is different than Right. You know, someone on your team at work saying, I have this question and I can't proceed until I have an answer. But I'm just saying it's not so easy to just say, yes, I refuse to let other people demand my attention. I do not respond to an email, for example, unless I have to. So if I think someone else has the answer, not if it was directly addressed to me, then I will not answer the question. And then, you know, if a period of time goes by and no one else has answered, then I'll jump in. But I'm never the one to jump in if I think someone else should have this information because there's this uh, Google effect where if you become like the Google for everybody to say like, where do I find this? Where was this? And it's even stuff they should know themselves. You simply become the conduit for knowledge. So it's like, I'll just ask Sona. She'll know. <laughs> right. You, you like kind of train, <laughs> you train people to turn to you too much. I said, I say so. So I agree that that's all true. And we need a break from our phones, especially if you're out somewhere. Nine perfect strangers like. <laughs> Same mm-hmm. thing there. However, I do have a little bone to pick here in the fact that, Thaisa, isn't your wife in the hospital right now? I thought the same thing. And what about your child? Yeah. <laughs> Who's watching your kid? Who You abandon your assistant's car on the side of the road randomly. If someone finds that car, future New Jersey senator, <laughs> they're going to be <laughs> like, she's been abducted. <laughs> she's suicidal because of her wife's car accident. <laughs> There'd be like helicopters flying all over the state looking for her. And she's just like, man, eh, let me just put my phone in here. <laughs> she's not taking this seriously enough. So Shauna's self-care routine turns out to be to take care of a baby goat. Shauna's convinced that this thing's going to be sacrificed at the end of the day. Misty's guidance is to go into a sensory deprivation tank. The actual guidance, as they say, Lisa, this is again, says the actual guidance comes from within. <laughs> sure. Thaisa's renewal is to paint a whole barn with a tiny brush. This seems like some karate kid nonsense, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. How does this map to anything? Guidance being put into a deprivation tank to get in touch with your inner self does not seem like the right framing for guidance at all. Self-care is caring for someone else because that innocent thing you have to take care of is becomes part of you. This is all a little too woo-woo for me, I think, in the, this description of it. But the but the renewal being like, I mean, yes, if you paint a barn, I guess you're renewing it. <laughs> Why torment yourself with this impossible task of painting it with this tiny little brush? That, that one was maybe the most bizarre <laughs> and frustrating of these uh I mean, activities. also, I think the type of person who would pick self-care, taking Shauna out of the picture could definitely be a martyr type, the type of person that really has lived their life by doing stuff for other people and putting themselves last for whatever reasons that are driving them. But suppose they want to change that and they choose self-care, but now here they are 
taking care of this kid. Ha ha. Right. And it's just going to encourage that martyrdom all over again. I mean, yeah, it's all seeming. I don't think this is well thought out. These are like ironic. (laughs) Right. All of them. You know, the renewal is maybe fixing up something is fun for you, right? If you want to renew something, but then you make it an impossible task. (laughs) Like you said, you want self-care. They make you bound to something else to take care of the whole entire day, like the exact opposite of self-care. If you requested guidance, you're like, can I have someone guide me? It's like, sure, here you are. We're going to put you in a sensory deprivation tank so that you have no contact with anyone else and not even external sounds or an understanding of the outside world. There you go. There's your guidance. Thanks Mm -hmm. a lot. Imagine your kids uh, ask you to go to the guidance counselor and they put them in a soundproof box with no light. (laughs) (laughs) This is your guidance. Good luck. Thais is the first one to confront Lottie about these ridiculous tasks. She says, that's not what's bothering me. So Lottie says, okay, then what is it? She goes, there's this thing. It's coming back. It's trying to kill my family. Lottie offers something, which maybe does sound relatively clear, is that maybe this thing is not actually trying to hurt you. You've suppressed it so much that it is becoming dangerous. Pay attention to me. Reacting in accordance to your behavior to it, right? Like when she's trying to keep herself awake for a whole week straight. (laughs) You probably would get into a car accident even without being possessed <laughs> if you mm-hmm. haven't slept in Absolutely. And she mentions that this other self of hers is always going to be a part of you, kind of similar to what young Lottie said to her back in the forest. Sean and Misty run into each other. Misty tried to escape the deprivation tag. <laughs> <laughs> Shauna has lost the, the goat, the, the kid. It has chewed through the rope. Bruce, the ghost's name is, she's still fixated on the idea that they're going to make me kill the goat at the end of the day. This is an interesting idea and does call back, I think, to Nine Perfect Strangers, strangely enough. I I feel like speaking of vegetarians, I feel like this would be a vegetarian or vegan place. I don't know. Well, I think they have eaten meat before, but still, I don't think that's not the purpose. We do find out why Shauna is so paranoid about this. Yes. Through these conversations. Misty, by the way, makes a joke saying like, oh, if you don't want to feel bad about killing the goat later on, just pretend it's Adam. Ha, 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 ha. Shots fired, Misty. <sighs> she cannot read a room. And Shauna goes, he attacked me, which is a lie, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not good behavior on either parts of these two ladies. And Misty uh, says, well, you know, I was the one who helped you get out of the situation. Shauna goes, I'm very grateful that your hobby is trying to be the perfect serial killer. And then Misty responds with, why do people keep saying that about me? (laughs) (laughs) Shauna finds Bruce and is fixated on the fact that it's going to get sick because it ate that rope. It could have been a lot of rope. It could have. I mean, I feel like goats are known for eating absolutely everything. So I personally would not have been super concerned, but it's nice that she was. To that point, she says, I think it's okay if he ate all this rope, but I'm going by cartoon knowledge. And it made me think about the fact that that's pretty much my knowledge of goats as well. (laughs) (laughs) We had goats years ago. My grandparents had goats, but we just fed them regular food. So my knowledge of goats being able to like eat a tin can and survive (laughs) is from watching cartoons. (laughs) She makes the point. I would Google it, but I can't. So on my phone, exactly. (laughs) Took my phone away too. So she... Now goes and confronts Lottie as well. Maybe the purpose of all these self-care routines, by the way, is to get frustrated and go talk to Lottie in each case. (laughs) Just to get people to talk to her. Apparently, this is what happens each time, at least our experience here of these people. Lottie says, I don't want you to kill Bruce at the end of the day. 
she says the same thing that Lisa said to Natalie, which I guess it came right from Lottie's mouth, that caring for something innocent gives you clarity, makes you prioritize, and it makes you focus on something other than yourself, which is probably really good advice. Not necessarily self-care though, but good advice in general, I think. Once again, one moment of consideration for Shauna, and she just is like a floodgate. She's saying, I've always kept Callie at arm's length. I was afraid that she might not even be real or that something terrible would happen to her if I cared about her. And now, of course, we know this is all rooted in her losing the baby. Mm -hmm. But it's just funny that she goes from like not trusting Lottie at all to like spilling all the beans. Yes. But then again, she did the same thing with those police officers when she got questioned as well. She desperately wants to spill the beans. Misty finally gets into that tank and she has some ridiculous dream sequence. Her bird, Caligula, is doing a song and dance. I can't tell you how much I hated this. <laughs> I knew you would hate this. Oh my gosh, this was awful. I almost texted you right in the middle what the actual <laughs> F is happening. They have packed so much into this episode. And again, we kind of talked about this before, just like rapid cycling through moods and settings right. and pick one <laughs> or two or three, <laughs> but not six. <laughs> I mean, I guess the generous way to see this is that this would be the type of interiority that she has, Misty does, but it's a little, it's too much. I agree. I also felt it went on too long. Yes. I think if it was really quick and then they yes. were in and out. Yeah. If it was shorter, I think it would have been funnier for yeah. sure. I mean, it would have been still funny. And then it would have been like something you could laugh about just being like, wow, she's like cuckoo. <laughs> you know, yes. that's what's going on inside her head yes. instead of yeah, like kind of luxuriating in there for a while. She's obviously thinking about Walter there in that dream sequence, which is really the only key takeaway there. And her Caligula character, this actor, um, what's the name? John Cameron Mitchell, I think, does say one funny thing here where she feels guilty about being a murderer. And he tells her, you're not a murderer. You're a closer. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we see the, the drapes, like I mentioned, like the Twin Peaks reference there. And Walter Morse codes her once again, a corded phone. I love you. I assume that's what it is in her, uh, the Morse code that he sends her because it turns into a heart in this vision. Mm -hmm. I should check that though. Who knows what this show is? It could be like, <laughs> you're a serial killer. It could be turned into a heart in this show. Who knows? <laughs> a very funny scene though, is that when she comes out of the deprivation, the sensory deprivation tank, and she has this revelation that she wants to try to work it out with Walter. She finds another corded phone, calls him immediately, gets his voicemail. She just feels absolutely great at this moment. So this thing definitely worked for her. And she tells him that she misses him. And then she does a whole funny thing where she goes, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> Even though she's leaving a voicemail, which is hilarious. <laughs> and she also mentions here, by the way, I love this reference here, saying that your grandmother sounds great, by the way, which of course, if you remember, he was telling her that he still loves his grandma and his grandma actually killed his grandfather. <laughs> and she's like, oh, your grandmother sounds so great. <laughs> I can't wait to meet her. A couple of points here too that I thought were, were kind of strange. First of all, the wig work here. I don't know how wigs work, but I thought that would be interesting that she actually submerges herself wearing this wig, the actress that is. I wouldn't know because all I could look at was her cleavage. <laughs> yes. She gets to put on a little uh, baby suit. Very much on display there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also the fact that she wore her glasses <laughs> in the wig submerged. But I guess uh, if she's paranoid that someone's going to steal her glasses, then mm. I guess you'd have to wear them, right? And she doesn't have anything else to put him in. Okay, we get close to the end of the episode here. Thaisa that night is out by that ceremonial rock of some kind. She takes off her ring. Van catches her and says, oh, are you trying to marry that rock? <laughs> or something like that. 
Thaisa says, I can't believe I'm back to the, here again. Of course, they're not here. It's not the place where they were. I think she means more like in her state of mind, being with these girls in this similar circumstance. And back in more ways than one, right? Back with Van as well. And they start making out. And then Thaisa goes, wait, I can't do this. I can't do this. There's just way too much going on right now. And then Van tells her that she's dying of cancer. She has only a few months left to live. And I guess that explains why she does not care about those late notices on her bills or burning through all her savings to uh, mm-hmm. run her VHS shop. Then we have a very interesting scene, which of course we predicted for quite some time. Lottie is with her therapist. She's worried. She feels something is primal is coming back. All these women coming back together. It's reawakening this thing inside of her and it feels wonderful, but it's terrifying. The therapist says that this reunion is striking a chord with her. You were free in the past. That was your most authentic self. You need to embrace it. And she's like, wait a second. What are you trying to tell me? This is terrible psychiatric advice. (laughs) (laughs) And then the psychiatrist, which of course we suspected was not even real, turns into the antler queen and says that a hunt that has no violence doesn't feed anyone. And then of course we find out that this was all a delusion, which we all suspected for quite some time now. I was surprised that they actually like put a face to this person. Right. They cut back to her the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's calling out that because we saw it in that weird way that we discussed significantly last week. And then I was like, that's weird because the first time we saw her, we saw them in this like two shot where you could see the face. So I guess it's just clarifying the fact that, remember, I was kind of confused. Like, was the first meeting a real meeting? Because they seem to be Well, the first meeting was also the substitute therapist. Right. Right. But- yeah, I don't understand. Was that real? Because they had the whole thing about they're going into town and she's going to the bank and then she went to the therapist. Right, right. So did that happen or did it not? Did she conjure up a substitute therapist? I'm not sure what happened there. I'm assuming the whole thing was uh, invented at this point. Wow, that's really going the extra mile then. <laughs> yes. I did thought the acting was a little strange here too. I mean, obviously this actress is being told to do this, but the way she gets up and she walks over to the other chair and she's like, feeling out like, is someone sitting here? It's just like, okay, that's that's a little much. We got it. We got it. This isn't really on point, but I'm still not seeing the connection between teenage Lottie and grown-up Lottie. Yes, I agree with that. They need to pick a couple of mannerisms or speech affectations or something to help me out because they seem like two completely different people. I don't know. Maybe after the electroshock therapy, she changed. I don't know. I guess I could try and come up with an explanation for that. Oh, I do want to circle back to something at the very beginning. When they arrive there, I love the fact that everybody's like, oh, I thought you were in Switzerland, Lottie. And Lottie just turns to them and goes like, that was like over a decade ago, which is like just going back to the idea that these girls, which by the way, is probably true to life. You like hear about somebody uh, or even like a rumor about somebody. You just like never (laughs) investigate it again, which is a little (laughs) weird because you would figure, you know what, like a random person you went to high school that you heard some gossip about that turns out to be completely wrong. That's one thing. Lottie has got to be like really big in their memory of that that time they spent, of probably the most memorable moment in their lives. You would think. Oh, one more thing before we leave the scene I want to bring up. You know, I was trying to figure out what is this weird thing where we see this weird tracking and we see it only now exclusively. It's only Ben and then it's only Lottie in this very episode when Ben is having that conversation with Paul. And now we see it when she realizes that the therapist is not real. I mean, if they're not somehow connecting these things to each other, then that's just really, really shoddy. But at this point, it has to be, right? There's no way that this is not telling us that these are visions that are being imposed by some external force or something. I mean, why draw the parallels between these two scenes? 
I guess so. But then also like by what an evil television, like why choose this? I don't know. I don't know what the weird tracking thing is. I don't understand why that's the mechanism of identifying this. I don't mind the idea of having a unifying signal of that, but this right. is a weird one to choose. I to totally me. agree. It's And it's so distracting. For example, it could be something subtle, like we only see Paul from behind his head. We never see his face. We see the therapist, right? So it could be mm-hmm. you, you're going into post-production and you're laying this effect on specific scenes and you're making that choice, you know, months after you've shot the show. It obviously must mean something. I don't, but I have no idea what that is at this point. And why the VHS effect doesn't seem seems weird. So now we get to the very end of the episode. Natalie wants to have like a recap of the day. How did you guys go? How did you like your therapies? Meanwhile, they're all drunk because they've all gotten their hands on. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie's a little annoyed by this. To your point, she obviously now she's not performing for anybody. Lottie's not there. She's actually a little annoyed. So it does seem to be like she's had a pretty quick reversal. If you consider this is just days since last season. It's only two or three episodes ago that she was very, very much cynical and angry at Lottie, and she's come around pretty quickly. Lottie does show up, and she's telling them, you guys should all leave. Not only because she's worried that something bad's going to happen, she's really enjoying, she just admitted, this feeling of power she's getting from this, which of course is probably something that went too far in the past. So we haven't maybe gotten to the end of that yet, obviously, as well. And then the girls are like, no, let's bond let's let's hang out together again this is something they've all been running away from i would assume even misty to some extent she still sees these people as her friends she still wants to have these relationships with them but i'm sure she has really horrible memories i mean think about what happened to crystal for example that she probably doesn't want to reconnect with and these girls are hanging out like oh it's so much fun it's it's like they're just at a class reunion or something weird reaction for them to have. But at the same time, I made me think that maybe this is kind of true because don't we all do that, right? Like you're years past something that happened in your youth and all of it becomes nostalgia, even the worst parts of it. So maybe that's what we're seeing happening here. Yeah. And I think you see when Misty does then try and raise something about, oh, that first summer, they all kind right. of snap yes. back to like, are you really trying to do this right now? Right, right. That's <laughs> We've like, all yeah, don't collectively bring that up. agreed. We're not right. talking about that right now. When she raises that, they start asking, what do you remember? None of them want to have specific things recalled. But it is interesting that they're talking about how it's so hazy in their minds that there's just flashes of things. They don't really have clear memories of that. Do you think that is something, once again, maybe this is what the show is exploring anyway, but do you think this is something supernatural actually that's kind of blinded them to it? Or do you think this is just what we do in our lives, right? Like you kind of blot things out to some extent or rewrite them in your minds or just ignore them. You just kind of forget things that you would think that would you would never forget, but then you end up forgetting them anyway. I had assumed the latter option there. Hmm. I don't know. Or maybe they did enough mushrooms out there that... <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I also like some of the conversation that comes up here when they're looking for new gossip. Missy has talked about Walter. They're saying, oh, tell me about your new boyfriend. Also, some things that happened last year that get brought up here in passing, which I thought was fun. Missy says, well, Nat had sex with Kevin. That's right. We all knew that. But then Natalie says, oh, yeah, that she watched because she had a camera in the room, which people didn't know about. So they're like, wait a second. What, what, what part is this? And she's like, oh, I didn't watch that part. <laughs> so sure you confused. didn't, Misty. <laughs> right. Speaking to the fact of how everything becomes nostalgia, this is actually kind of incredible. Lightning Crashes comes on, which is like the most traumatic song you could imagine, given the circumstance. And that's why I say that maybe this show is about that. 
horrible things happen to us, the light of nostalgia, we romanticize them. The girls are dancing outside. Oh, look, it's snowing. How much fun for us to be singing lightning crashes while it's snowing outside and we're outside of this cabin. The memory that I would assume mm-hmm. is most correlated so to that. So triggering. So triggering. Yeah. And of course, the thing that it directly correlates to, we cut back into the past. Is literally, literally. Misty, <laughs> yeah, Misty is humming lightning crashes. And of course, that speaks to something else, by the way, Sona. Have you ever had like a completely inappropriate song stuck in your head because like something's happening and then like whatever, a lyric brings something up. And then all of a sudden you realize like you're probably thinking of that song because of this other thing, like this lyric, or, you know, it could be someone's name or something that triggers it in a much more mundane version of this. She is probably singing lightning crashes because of like, you know, a young mother cries, the placenta falls to the floor. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the, which is a ridiculous lyric, by the way, just to speak to that. Regardless. I mean, but the song is about a baby dying, is it not? Exactly. Of course, that's probably why Misty's humming it. And of course, incredibly triggering for her to be humming that song, although she's probably doing it subconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. And then of Mm -hmm. course, this triggers Shauna. Shauna basically beats Lottie to death. I mean, the the fights in movies are so ridiculous. If you actually see like the people that way that people box in a movie, that would literally kill somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What Shauna Mm -hmm. did to Lottie here would kill someone basically. And she looks like she could be dead at the end. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for a moment there, she's not breathing. It is a horrible beating that she takes. And Shauna has completely lost it here, of course. And of course, this scene is not only being paralleled ironically with the girls partying in the present, but you have to assume at some fundamental level, this is the memory they're all sharing at that moment. And it's a horrible, horrible memory. And they're dancing Mm -hmm. around like it's so much fun. I thought a really interesting scene here. I have complaints about a moment, multiple scenes in this particular episode, but I thought this was such a great way to illustrate that. They've bonded over this horrible thing that happened. And now they're all like, remember that summer <laughs> when we ate yeah. people and beat, almost beat each other to death? It's like really, really crazy. It seems really unhinged. And also, listen, it's not a lighthearted show and I get that, but I think this might be the first time I've seen Lottie smile and laugh. Yeah, I think you're right. But again, this isn't a show that's like a laugh a minute. So, you know, I probably haven't seen any of them laugh and smile all that much. But it just struck me that Lottie specifically, I definitely have just not seen her happy until this moment. Misty smiles all the time, but half of that I think is a performance. Psychotic smiling. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) This is all broken up because Jeff, he gets just one moment here, but oh, he's got a great moment here in this episode. It's a good one, exactly. Jeff calls, they call on the landline once again. Emergency. Uh, that man that you had the fender bender so, with. Trying to be so smart about how yeah. he does this. They found his uh, body, maybe his uh, remains at Hackle Barney Park, which is, by the way, off of Route 19. So legitimately true. And then that's a big cliffhanger for next week. Have they left any evidence behind?